Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, week two in a message series called Recalculating. We've been talking a little bit about what it means to be lost when we get off track. Uh, and I want to ask a question as we begin today. How many of you this year made a New Year's resolution? Did anybody out there make a New Year's resolution? Raise your hand real quick if you made a New Year's resolution. Uh, like four of you. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> rest of you apparently made a resolution to never raise your hand in church. Okay, so um, of, of the four of you who made a resolution, anybody still keeping to it? One. Okay, two. Two. Just, what did you resolve to do, dude? Eat slower? That's, what a good resolution. Let's clap it up. I like that, man. I need to eat slower. Shut up. Okay, so, um, all right. The reason why, I suspect, I could be wrong about this, but I think the reason why so few of us make New Year's resolutions is because we know that when we make them, we usually don't stick to them. You, know, you make a New Year's resolution, and, you know, by St. Patrick's Day, or for many of us by the end of January, that resolution is somewhere in the rearview mirror. But there's something irresistible about the end of the year that allows us a window of time to press reset. The good news is, you don't have to wait until the end of the year to press reset. You don't have to wait until the end of the year to get back on track if you've gotten off a little bit. Now last year, we talked, oh, last year, last, shut up, last week, we talked about what happens when you get lost. And we talked a little bit about being lost physically. We, we had to ask you guys to use, some of you younger people in the room, we had to ask you to use your imagination a little bit. Because many of you, if you're young, you kind of grew up with GPS. There's always been GPS in your lifetime. But old people like me had to grow up in an era when we had to write directions down on a piece of paper. And if you are depending on someone to give you directions on a piece of paper, and either they give you bad directions or you get distracted while you're driving, you're going to get lost. And most people your parents' age uh, know what it's like to, to actually just not know where you are physically and need to get back on track. What we discussed last week was simply this. There are many different ways in which a person can be lost. Certainly you can be lost physically and not know where you are. But you can also be lost spiritually. You can be lost academically. You can be lost professionally. And you can be lost financially. You could be lost when it comes to your finances. Now, what does, that, what does that mean, to be lost financially? It means I started here, like I know where I started, and I knew I wanted to get here, but somehow I ended up over here. Here was where I started, here was where I wanted to get to, but here's me now. I'm way out here, and I have way more debt than I ever thought I would have, and I have way less saved than I, ever, than I thought I would have saved, and I have way more pressure, there's way more financial pressure. Like, this wasn't where I wanted to end up, this wasn't where I wanted to be, but I found myself in this place, and now I don't know if I'll ever get back. I don't know, some of us are in the room, and you're thinking, I don't know if I'll ever get back on track. I don't know if I'll ever get to a place where I can breathe again. I don't know if I'll ever get to a place where, where I'm, I'm doing okay again. And when that happens, a lot of people just give up. Now, you guys, when you're lost, if you, if you again, young, younger folks, use your imagination. But if you get lost, if you don't know where you are, do you just give up, pull the car over, and cry? Yes? Who does 
that? Who said yes just now? All right, listen. I wasn't expecting a yes. Are you supposed to be no? You don't pull over it. Okay, so. Guys are messing with me now. All right, look. Let me rephrase the question. After you've pulled over and had a good cry, because you're lost, do you say, well, I don't know how I get home. I guess I live here now. No. You don't just, you don't just pull the car over and go, oh, I, I don't know how to get back. I guess this is my home. No, you don't do that. After you've had your good cry, you decide, okay, now I gotta, now I gotta put my big boy pants on and I gotta get back on track. I've gotta find a way to get back to where I know where I am. I've gotta find a way to get back to where I wanted to go and start aiming in the right direction and traveling in the right direction. And you take steps towards that. But that often is not what happens financially. That happens if you're in the wrong neighborhood or you get lost somewhere on the road. But if you get lost financially, what happens is a lot of people pull the car over and cry and then decide, I guess I just live here now. I guess this is it. I guess I'll just always struggle. I guess I'll just, there'll just never be enough money. I'll always struggle. I'm always going to wrestle. Uh, this is, I, I'm just, I, there's no way for me to get back on track. So now this is me. This is where I live. And when that happens, it's easy to give in to despair. And some of you have been there. Just, just despairing of where you are and going, oh, this is the worst. I, I can't, I'll never get out from here. And then, and, and the next step after that is to stop caring at all. And they'll go, you know what? If I'm going to be in debt anyway, I may as well be in a lot of debt. Who cares? If you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly, right? So I, if it doesn't matter anyway, I'm just going to spend and rack up credit card debt because I'm not going to worry. And, and man, now you're good and lost. And if that's where you are, there are a couple of really simple steps to start helping you get back on track. Now, why are we talking about this? Because how you handle your money is a spiritual issue. It is. Jesus talked more about finances than he talked about faith, prayer, heaven, and hell combined. And it isn't all about giving I know for many of you, if you're new, especially the preacher starts talking about money and all of a sudden it gets real uncomfortable in the room. So I issue this disclaimer because we have new visitors every week. If you've been coming to church, you've heard it a hundred times, but we have new visitors every week. If I ever say something about finances that makes you uncomfortable, don't respond to that pressure. Never give out of pressure. And if you feel like maybe you don't trust me or this organization, then you go give the money away someplace else. The principle is that we honor God. But Jesus talks way more about, about all the other stuff than he does about giving. So how we handle our money actually is a spiritual issue. It matters spiritually to all of us. So when we get off track, we're called to do a little bit of recalculating, to put things back. Now when you're lost, if, you're, if you've gotten lost physically, like driving in your car... Chances are one of two things happens. That happen. There are two primary causes of getting lost physically. Bad directions and distractions. 
Sometimes you're distracted, you know, you're driving and you're supposed to turn right at the thing, but there was something cool over here and you looked left when you should have been watching for the landmark on your right and you drove past it and now you're toast because you got distracted and and you're not going to make the next right turn and now everything you do from that point on is going to be wrong. Or bad directions. That's the worst. When somebody gives you, because that's totally somebody else's fault, right? Like when somebody gives you bad directions, you're like, dude, you told me to turn at the second right, and it was actually the third right. And do you understand that that little careless thing just cost me like 45 minutes of my life and an inordinate amount of stress? Like bad directions were, 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 were like the plague of your existence if you ever had to drive somewhere. Well, team, there's a lot of bad directions floating around out there when it comes to our finances. Two things in particular that have people making wrong turns. Two things in particular that a lot of people get very confused about. Two things. One is the idea that it's all for me. And two, the idea that it's all for right now. It's all for me and it's all for right now. Those two things will get you lost every time. Some, and this is going to be news to you if you're new, some of what you have was actually meant to be a blessing to other people. Some of what you were given, some of what you have was meant to bless other people. And some of what you have was meant for you at a later date in your life. Some of what you have was meant for you later on as you serve God later on in your life. But that's not how most people work because we're always up to our eyeballs because there's a lot, I'm not making commentary on anybody in particular, but a lot of folks are lost financially these days so they're just living like it's all for me and it's all for right now and I'm just gonna you know, live for the moment, carpe diem and, 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 and hit it. And if that's making you happy, then knock yourself out. But I'm, I'm it, this is not a principle you're going to be able to swim upstream against. When you live your life selfishly, you're going to end up miserable. You just are. So what exactly does Jesus say about all this? How are we to navigate this as uh, believers? It's important to ask because for many people, this is the last room they let Jesus into. So for some of you, maybe you've had this experience in your life. Like, okay, uh, I come to church, and I want to I connect with God. I'm going to pray for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm going to start a relationship. I'm going to pray. I'm going to start operating a little differently. I'm going to start thinking a little differently. I want to start living outward bound. I want to honor God and love others and serve, serve the world around me and, 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 and operate and think on a different path. And for many people, we let... It's like a house guest. We bring somebody in and we're like, okay, you can go in this room and you can go in this room and you can go in this room, but stay out of that room. That room's locked. And for many of us, our finances is that room when it comes to God. So what does Jesus say about all this? What we're going to do this morning is we are gonna, we're about to dive into what I think is the most difficult parable in the entire Bible. This, this parable is going to mess you up. Who's ready to get messed up by a parable this morning? Anybody? Yeah, you don't know what's coming. Here we go. Uh, this is the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 16. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, What's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, 
and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, uh, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Now here comes the sucker punch. Everybody ready for the sucker punch? This is what you didn't expect. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly possessions to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your eternal possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. Okay, so here's what's going on in this parable, right? Guy owns a company. He's got a lot of money in play. The CEO of the company realizes that the vice president is embezzling money. Calls a guy in. Says, hey, listen, bring me the books. Uh, you're fired. Your exit interview's in a couple of hours. Uh, and I, I want to know everything that's happened. And so now the VP, who's been embezzling money is in a spot. He's lost his job. And there's no talk of legal ramifications. In our world, he'd go to jail. But in this world, it's just like, hey, you're fired. So uh, the VP says, man, I'm in a spot. I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble here. I'm too old to dig ditches. And I'm too proud to beg. And I personally can relate to both of those things. So he's like, now I'm in trouble. What am I going to do? And he goes, ah, I know what to do. And he calls in a couple of the biggest clients that the firm has. Calls a guy in, says, hey, listen, uh, what do you owe? The guy goes, I'm in deep. I, I owe him like 800 gallons of olive oil. And in an agrarian society where this was done by hand, that's a lot of money. And the guy goes, okay, not a problem. Uh, you and me are going to make a little deal here. Uh, we're going to cross that out and make it 400 gallons. How's that sound? To which the guy probably said, sounds illegal. Sounds like, like a crime, but I'm not going to change any paperwork. If you want to change it, that would be cool with me. I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to prevent you from doing it. Uh, but like, and, and also, thank you. And like, what do I owe you? And the guy goes, nothing. But uh, in a couple of weeks, I might come see you. A couple of weeks, uh, you know, maybe you owe me a favor. A couple of weeks, I'm, I might need a little help with something. I'll, just, I'll come see you. Cool? Cool. Sounds great. Takes the next guy in. Uh, hey, what do you owe him? I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat. This is no small thing. I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat. Ah, not a problem. We're going to knock 20% right off that. We're going to make it 800. What do you think about that? I think it's amazing. What do I owe you? Nothing. Not a thing, but like in a couple of weeks, I'm going to come see you. I might need a little hook. It's like the Godfather. There's no, there's no fee at this time. <laughs> but someday you're going to have to perform a service to the Godfather. That's what's going on. And it's amazing because the guy is dealing with olive oil, which is what the go actual Godfather was doing in the movie. This is what I see when I read the Bible. Okay, so 
Now comes the sucker punch. Because everybody in Jesus's, this is Jesus Christ delivering this analogy. Everybody in his original audience and everybody in the modern audience is waiting for, for Jesus to come with the, with, the, with the beat down. He's waiting for him to just crack open a can and be like, look, this guy is going to jail. The master of the company, the, the owner of the company, found out what he was doing, and he had him arrested, and he had him beaten. He was whipped, and then he was executed because you should never, 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 never be that dishonest. That's what everyone is waiting for. That's what would make sense. That that's what would fit with our notion of right and wrong. That is not what is delivered. In the analogy, the, the master had to, had to admire the shrewd rascal for what he did. And then Jesus does something he rarely does. He actually explains the parable. Now that's because this was a confusing parable, and probably there's even, there's probably even like his own guys. A lot of times his own guys didn't get it, and I have to figure, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever done the math on this, but like, I'm figuring one, one of the 12 disciples was not that bright, don't you think? Like, in any 12 people, one of them's not that bright, you right? So, I mean, there's got to be one, I'm sure, I, I, and there's some of these disciples, we know nothing about these dudes, like Bartholomew, we got no idea what that guy was like. So, I don't know why, but I'm just picking on Bartholomew, I think he wasn't that bright. I could just imagine, Jesus delivers these things, and Bart, you know, they circle up later, he's like, I don't understand, you know, <laughs> he keeps talking in these parabolas, what is, you know. Somebody help me. And so Jesus finally like breaks it down and he goes, here's what it means. Here's what the parable means. The manager has a temporary situation. He's employed. He has a job. That temporary situation is coming to an end. He has a limited amount of time left in this temporary situation to fix it so that he's got options afterwards. He's got a limited window of time in which to fix it and to leverage his time and his influence so that after the situation ends, he'll have options, he'll have friends, he'll have a way to provide for himself. Here's the lesson. You right now have a temporary situation. You have a job which is temporary. Here's your job. It's being alive. Your job is being alive. That's your job, breathing. You're all doing a great job. Somebody back there is asleep, but we're cool. Okay, so... You're all doing a great job. This is your job. You're alive. Someday, you're going to get fired from your job of being alive. Someday, that will no longer be the case. Leverage your time now in your temporary situation for what is to come afterwards. Leverage this window of time in your temporary situation so that on the other side, you will have friends who will welcome you into eternal dwellings. In other words, some of you, when you get to heaven, somebody's going to walk up to you and go, I came to this church broken. I came to this church in real trouble. And I needed help. And I came in and I heard a message that made sense and I connected with God in a way that was distraction free and I could never have done that if I had my kids with me and you were working kids ministry that day and you took care of my kids while I came to church and was able to hear from God and I am so grateful. Some of you are going to be in heaven and somebody's going to, somebody you've never met is going to walk up to you and say that day I just, I was so nervous and I was so scared and it's so weird to walk into a new place and I, all of what I really needed honestly was just a cup of coffee and you made the coffee that day. 
You helped. You volunteered. You supported the place financially. You helped keep the doors of the place open financially. So they were ready for me when I came in. You never met me, but thank you so much. Does the parable make more sense now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eat slow. All right, so. Yeah, it makes more sense now. You have a temporary window of time in which to leverage what you have for what's to come. You've heard people talk about how we're supposed to honor God with 10% of what we have. That's wrong. We're supposed to honor God with 100% of what we have. Tithing is what we do with our finances. I'm not saying you have to give everything you have away. That would be irresponsible. But we leverage everything we have. We leverage our time and our, our, our giftings and, and our possessions. You got some, like, start thinking about how your life could influence other people. Start thinking about the role that God has given you to play. You got a place to live right now? That's cool. Practice hospitality. You got a house or an apartment or a condo? You don't have to be a biblical scholar. Host a community group. You can put on a pot of coffee and put on a plate of cookies. Yes, you can. You can figure that out. You don't have to be some sort of a biblical genius. Just say, hey, listen, I'll host a group. I'll have people in my home where they can learn, where we can connect with each other. Start there. You got a, you got a basement? Have some people over. You don't do this if you live in your parents' basement. That's rude. But, like, <clears throat> you, got a, you got a car? Drive somebody someplace. You got a boat? Figure out how to leverage it. You got a, you got a, a house with a swimming pool? You got a backyard with a swimming pool? How about you open it up to our youth group one night this summer? How would you like to have 35 middle school kids up in your backyard this summer, <laughs> one night? How'd you like that? Let me tell you how you'd like it. You'd love it. You would love it. You're sitting here thinking you're crazy. No, I'm not crazy. It'll be chaotic. It'll be nutty. It'll be noisy. Your neighbors will all think you're crazy. They're going to break stuff. You'll love it. And when it's done, you'll go, that was crazy, but that was the best night of my summer. That was the coolest thing Ever. We leverage what we have for eternity, for this window of time. Who knows how much time you have left? For this window of time, you get to leverage what you have here for something eternal. A while back, you were talking about sending musicians to prison a little earlier. A while, like, like Nathan and I have been friends for a long time. About like 10 years ago, he was getting this thing started. It might even have been a little longer. It was back when he himself was going into the prisons and, and singing. And the ministry was just getting off the ground. And I was like, dude, we're in. Our church is in. We're going to support this. And he's like, seriously? I'm like, yeah, man, my people are shady. Half of them have been to prison. We'll be fine. <laughs> so he called me once, and he goes, listen, listen, I have an opportunity. I'm like, great, what is it? He goes, I have an opportunity to go to L.A. County prison. And this is hardcore. I'm going to be in with like the, the toughest like gang members and people like this is going to be this is a real cool opportunity, but um, I, I don't I don't have traveling money like I don't have the fun, the funds to get there. I need to put together like a thousand dollars. And he called me and he said, "Do you think there's somebody in your church? Like, is there somebody in your church who you could tap for that uh, to help?" And I, I thought for a minute and I, I went, "Yeah, yeah, me." I'm somebody I could tell. I don't even have to go to the church with this. I want to help. I want to play. I'm in. You know, I'll help you with this. Now, that, I'm not saying this so you'll think more of me. I'm trying to give you an illustration because what could I have done with $1,000 10 years ago? 
Okay, what would I have spent, a th- if, I spent if I was living all for me and all for right now, what would I have done with $1,000 10 years ago? I know exactly what I would have done. I could tell you, yeah, food, some, but you spent $1,000 on food, but I guess it could. It's a lot of Taco Bell, bro. So what I would have done with $1,000 10 years ago is I would have bought a brand new TV and a big stack of Blu-rays. I loved Blu-rays. I still buy them once in a while, but man, I'm going to tell you, just confessionally, I have an enormous collection of movies on DVD and Blu-ray. You know how often I watch them? Never. You know why? Because I'm so lazy, I'd rather pay the four bucks to stream it than get up and find the disc and put it in the player. That's where I'm at. $1,000 on me 10 years ago. I buy a TV that would already be at the curb, and I buy a stack of Blu-rays that would be sitting on a shelf gathering dust, and that $1,000 would be bringing me no joy whatsoever. And do you know what that $1,000 is doing now? I'm still excited about it. I still get geeked about it. I still remember, the, and it was not a small thing. $1,000 was and still is a lot of money to me. It wasn't like I just had it laying around. It took some sacrifice, but I'm so glad I did that because I blessed other people with it, and I'm still enjoying that part that I got to play, the small part that I got to play in a vast, amazing story. That $1,000, because I didn't spend it on me, is still bringing me joy. When you start living outward bound, when you, when you spend it all on you, it ties you up, it wraps you up. You get lost when you do that. But when you start being a blessing to others, just as you start a little bit, flowing outward bound, you're going to feel so good, you're going to go, dude, I've been missing out on this my whole life. Oh my gosh, I want to do more of this. I want to bless more people. And maybe someday in heaven, some gangbanger dude from L.A. who I've never met will walk up to me and go, you don't know me. But that day, that dude came in and he said a few things that changed my life. And now I'm out here changing a lot of other people's lives. And it happened because you played a part in it. And thank you. And wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be crazy? Wouldn't it just be nuts if, if, if I, I, I got to heaven and I learned that the part that I played in God's amazing story that was most significant had nothing to do with True North and had nothing to do with sermons that I preached or, or people that I ministered to here, what if, and wouldn't it be cool, the most significant thing I ever did in God's kingdom was to tithe and bless a bunch of people who I've never even met. Wouldn't that be amazing? And wouldn't it be cool if you got to heaven and some middle school kid walked up to you and said, hey, you don't know me, but I broke your lawn chair. <laughs> that was me. And you don't know me, but that night... The group circled up, and we opened God's word together, and I learned some things that changed my life, and it happened because you played a small part that you were given to play in God's amazing story. Don't stay lost. Don't stay lost. You miss out on so much, and so many other people miss out on so much, and when we play the part God gave us to play, when we honor him in every area of our life, You get so switched on, so turned on emotionally and spiritually, you'll never go back. It feels so good. It's the first step towards getting back on track financially because you will see how God blesses your life. We're going to stop right here. We'll pick it up right from there for next week for part three. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we're so grateful, so grateful that you give us this opportunity to play a small part 
in your vast, amazing story. And we are so tempted to make it all about us. We're so tempted to keep it all for us. We're so tempted to just spend it all on us and spend it all right now. And Father, you're calling us to live differently. And it's not a life, the thing you call us to, Father, it's not a life of slavery and punishment. It's a life of joy and wonder. Help us discover, one and all, Father, help us discover the joy and wonder of blessing other people and living an outward bound life. May we honor you, God, not just with a tithe, but with all that we have to play the part you gave us to play. And may each one of us in heaven meet people we've never come face to face with before and learn that our lives played a part in their story. May it be so for me, may it be so for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.